So hello, welcome to this Southcast special with myself, Glenn Price, um, back at the stadium, but this time not interviewing a manager with Ollie like the start of last season. Um, here to meet three guys who really are doing a, a pretty important job at the football club that um, probably some people will know from, from seeing them around the grounds, but not too many will know about their specific roles and, and how they're trying to take the football club forward in terms of the media. So I'm joined by Scott Demeling, um, head of the media, Lewis Poole, who's the club journalist and programme editor, and Matt Burgess, our graphic designer and videographer. So yeah, I think, you know, really good chance to meet you guys. So welcome to the podcast. Hello. It's good. It's the first time we've interviewed three people at the same time, so this could be a bit of fun. Um, I think before we get into really what's going to happen with Shrewsbury Town Football Club and the media going forward and how you young guys are going to take us forward, um, it's probably just worth us running through the, the three of you really and what your roles are at the football club. So let's start with you, Scott. What, what's your role at the football club? So in a nutshell, because we all do a bit of everything, I'd say, but in a nutshell, my job is overseeing the media department, anything to do with media. I'm kind of the point of contact, whether that be for the manager or CEO, Brian, chairman, and kind of feeding back from what we hear from the fans yep. to them as well, vice versa. I say my main role in terms of the media output is probably the social media side, but then in terms of just everything else, it's just a case of trying to keep on top of the media and, and in terms of its output. But these guys are more than capable in terms of their side of, of sorting it out. But yeah, in terms of having that figure, I'd say it's just minds that overseeing and making sure everything's running nice and smooth. Okay. And uh, Matt, what's what your role at the football club? Um, so graphic designer predominantly. So I create the what fans will see will be the graphics on social media, um, how we'll put filters over images, that sort of thing, team sheets. Uh, but then equally then large scale, it can be flyers and brochures and things that the club wants to put out for different departments or even then the artwork that you see up around the facility or in the tunnel or the training ground it can sort of be kind of a bit of anything and then also then on top of that with the videos on a match day I'll film the games from the alternative angle try and get different goals uh, just try and film just things that you wouldn't normally see on TV and then yeah any interviews pre and post match and then if we do any features um Really, if it involves a camera, I'll probably be filming or doing something <laughs> along those lines. And Lewis is a voice maybe we're more familiar to hearing than the other two guys here because we hear you interviewing the manager and, and Brian recently. And So yeah, just run through what you do at the football club really, Lewis. Yeah, so predominantly uh, it'd be the website, all the news that goes on there. That's kind of my responsibility. Uh, the programme is a new responsibility that okay. we've got for this season, uh, which we're all excited. We're all doing our bit for, of yep. course. But, um, but yeah, it's mainly news, all the interviews with new players, press conferences, all those kind of things. Yeah, and, it, and it's great. It's really good you know, to, to give this insight into the football club and we, we appreciate the football club giving us access to yourselves and, and doing the interview. So much appreciated. And it, and it seems very different you know, from my experience of having supported this club since I was a kid. You know, I knew Ian Whitfield pretty well you all I think all of you worked with Ian mm-hmm. before you left yeah. didn't you so you kind of had your training under here I'm sure as well as yeah. what you did at university and, and things like that so it's definitely it's got a different approach really now a, a team of three um, with you having those different responsibilities and, and you know in the experience you've had so far working as a three do you think it's going really well? Yeah I think it all came into place quite naturally as well yeah. in terms of we all, un- all understand each other's strengths and, and weaknesses but there's more strengths than weaknesses but it's a case of we all know our roles mm. and there's not really a, a case where either of us have to say, oh, I thought you were doing that or you didn't tell me you were doing that. It's a case of match day or day to day. 
these are roles and responsibilities, and it kind of just all gels together nicely good. in terms of that dynamic. So I think I think it works really well. Yeah, that's good. And and one of the things I was interested in really is like it's a very different job really to maybe a lot of people who listen to this podcast. You do, we do our nine to fives, Matt. You know, what, what kind of hours are you, the three of you doing? Are you generally all here at the same time, or is it a complete mix and match depending on what the football club needs? Um, this this time it can be difficult in that it, there's less structure I mean typically we are here pretty much every day really and you're kind of on call at this time of year mm. because as much as you could maybe have a bit of a downtime in June or something at any point you could be signing a player so this this I always hate this period the most because I prefer it when the season's in full flow because <laughs> you actually know where you're meant to be because um, there's a lot more structure to it but it can it, it can sometimes be really full on in terms of hours and, and times it, it just really depends on what's going on because it's kind of like a, a 24-hour news yeah. channel it's like it, it doesn't stop so we could sign a player one day we can have loads of press releases the next you might have to do an interview you've got to be reactionary to the footballing world and, and the football club as well so it's kind of quite fluid in terms yeah. of like how much time we have to commit. And we were just talking beforehand, Lewis, about the fact you, you don't, you're the one of the three of you who doesn't live in town, you live a little bit away over in the West Midlands, and so I suppose modern technology nowadays enables you to kind of continue to your job, but I'm assuming you've had a few late-minute dashes down the M54 to come and help with things, have you, or is it all been okay so far? Yeah, there's been a, there's been a few occasions where <laughs> I've had to, to get up quickly and get in the car, but no, like you said, modern-day technology, I can do a lot of my job from home. Mm. Um, it's always ideal to do it in person, and that's, what, that's our, all of our preferences. Yeah. We, we prefer to, to come in and do the stuff we need to do but yeah there's, there's been occasions where it's oh someone's coming in an hour can you get here this job really although I wouldn't change it for the world is just having not knowing that you're going to be able to have that that downtime because for myself or any of these guys it could be 11 o'clock at night and your phone's buzzing because Brian's calling you about something that's going on at <laughs> 7 o'clock in the morning you've got to respond to it yeah so it's it's that hard thing of trying to, us guys as well, trying to say uh, you can have that day off because you can pencil it in, but you, you can't say for certain that you're going to have that time off. It, it ends up roughly being that you end up when the season's in full flow that you're probably working six days and if you get your Sunday off and you're having a good week. Yeah. <laughs> we do. don't tend to announce too many players on Sunday, lads, yeah. from my experience, so you should be all right on that. And, and I guess another question for all three, and I'll start with Lewis again and we're down the, we're down the line here, is you know, is working in football something you were always really keen to do? And you know, have you showed me a little bit of what you guys did at university and you know, media and, and communication is quite a broad subject, but was football something you were always aiming to get involved involved with? Yeah, it was. Um, when I was at college, I was doing a media production course, okay. and I had a brilliant lecturer called Bob Hall. Uh, he used to work on ITV Central. He yeah. still does things yeah. for Sky Sports, and he kind of inspired me, I think, I'm happy to say he inspired me <laughs> for this role. Um, and then I went into a kind of a specific course at Staffordshire University, sports PR and journalism. And then one day I emailed Ian Whitfield and I've never left. No, there you go. I think that happens with this football club. You better watch out. Um, what about you, Matt? Was football something you were keen in? Involved yeah. In? And um, being it, from Shrewsbury, were you a Shrewsbury fan? Or, or, uh, no, I, I know you're a bit of Man United. Yeah, Union, no, but did you ever come to games my, when you were younger? I was a... I was basically anointed a Man United fan the moment I was born <laughs> so I didn't have a lot of choice in the matter my dad's a huge Manchester United fan so uh, I, that was that was sort of dictated to me which I can't grumble about too much but no I, I'm a United fan but no I'm, I'm from Shrewsbury so I've always had a soft spot for Shrewsbury I started to follow and, and come to quite a few games around about 10 years ago when okay. we got promoted from League 2 with Graham Turner so I was a casual Shrewsbury fan and then um yeah, I went to uni, did graphic design and illustration, 
Uh, and basically, it's been the running theme throughout my school and college and uni years is that as, as soon as there was a project, you could do whatever you wanted. It was football orientated. So in whatever way I could make it fit into being yeah. football. And and it's always been a goal of mine to, to work in the industry. I'd have loved to have played, but I'm absolutely <laughs> hopeless. Anybody that knows me knows that I can't kick a ball to save my life. So, um, yeah, to work in the, this side of things is probably the best thing I could do. Um, and I do I do really enjoy it. It can be hard because similar to Lewis, I, I live... I, I live out in Stoke because that's where oh, okay. my, my wife's from. So I, I commute as well. And so that, that can be difficult. But mm. on the whole, I, I, it is the best job I've ever had. So yeah, I wouldn't change it. And, and say for you, Scott, you know, I suppose you, you were saying you were from the Oldstree area when you grew up as well. So I don't, first of all, did you have too many interactions with the club when you were younger? And then how did you end up coming into football? Was it something you always wanted to do? Yeah, so I, I used to live in Owlsbury up until about six years ago. Yeah. I remember when I joined, it was one of them things that... When someone asked me what my first game was, I almost forgot about it, but it was when <laughs> town got promoted, um, the Dagenham Redbridge game, ah. and I was on the pitch, I went with a mate, and I think for a first game, that's a pretty good game to go to, but yeah, my family's all from Wolverhampton, so unfortunately as well, I'm, I'm ah, okay. there we go. the allegiance of Wolves, but yeah. <laughs> Two no, Wolves um, and a man. <laughs> I didn't actually go to university, to be fair, so okay. I tried to go down a different path of trying to get as much work experience as I could, so yep. I ended up doing a placement at Media City in Salford for mm-hmm. a month or so, which then landed me um, some freelance work at Radio Shropshire, so I did that for two years, kind of got my foot in the door there, and then got introduced to Ian, and I'm very grateful that gave me the opportunity to be here today, so that's kind of how I got to be in the position I'm in okay. now. Great, you all had different journeys to get here, which is which is fascinating, really. And your first game, as you were saying, was Grandison singing on the balcony yeah. after we got promoted. So that's not too bad, is it? That's definitely a memory that most town fans like. Um, I suppose we talked about the hours you've got. Um, you know, the two people you're probably interacting with the most on a daily basis, and I appreciate you do a lot of work with the community team and lots of other people. Is obviously going to be Brian and the manager. You know, from a leadership role, Brian taking taking you know decisions and and then your job is to kind of present those out to the fans in some respects as one party job, and then the manager in terms of getting across what he wants to do. I'm guessing that that relationship is quite a, a strong relationship. It's not with you, Lewis, really. Obviously, you've been doing a lot of the interviews, really. You, you, you get on, I'm not going to say you get on well or not with them, because uh, I'm sure you do, but you know, the, the, the relationship with a manager and, and a CEO is probably the most important to you have, I guess. Yeah, I'd say the relationship kind of with the CEO would be more Scott's kind of bag. Okay, um, right. I'll let him go for that one. <laughs> but the manager, well, let's go on if you would talk about the manager. And, yeah. yeah, so with Steve, he's he's very experienced, isn't he? So he, know, he already knows kind of what he's going to say yep. and... But I tried to make it as easy as possible for him during a press conference by giving him uh, a brief. This is what I think I'll get asked. This is who's going to be in attendance. And we go off it like that. Um, and yeah, so I, I tried to make him as prepared as I am in a way. Um, but yeah, developing relationships in management is really important when you're interviewing them because you do have to have a, a kind of personal relationship with them. Um, and for me as well, I have to understand what he wants. That's very important. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of convey what I want as well, so it's kind of it's a two-way street in a way. But he's he's great to work with, Steve. It's, That's great. It's really interesting. It's been tough though, hasn't it? Compared to the managers we worked with in the past, this one especially has, has been tough because of obviously everything that's gone on with Steve in terms of yeah. when he was away, we we didn't have any contact with him in terms of understandably we didn't want to bother him, and uh, Aaron and Davy kind of took hold of all that. So it's kind of been strange the last month or so trying to get that relationship back, but understanding that he's still recovering from what he's been through. Yeah. And he's so busy trying to get rid of, ready for the new season. So it, we, in terms of building that relationship, it's definitely a, a slow burner. It's hard because in the past you, you're all in and mm. you, you're seeing them almost day to day, but it's it's something that's definitely going to build with time, I think. But it, our experience we've had so far is you feel he understands us and 
we kind of getting to understand where he's coming from because mm. yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I, I, I just just going off what Scott said. I think it it was quite surreal in that we've had two manager changes since we've been all here, yeah. um, and obviously the difference with compared to when Sam came in. Obviously, that was where you just went straight in, new manager, build that relationship straight away, and then that you know time just went on and. And where we didn't really have that with Steve, we got to know him quite well, quite quickly. You just you just end up having to do a lot of press conferences, doing lots of interviews. You start and have that initial month of where we were working with him, and then for him to quickly go mm. and 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 then we're with Albie and Davy, who Davy we've known really well because we've done a lot of stuff around the academy before. And Albie was great to just talk to and, and build up a relationship with. But then I've said it to these guys, it's almost like we've had another new manager because you're starting again with with the gaffer. It's just yeah. it's it it's been such a surreal experience. But no, I mean he's he is fantastic. You see his attention to detail with things and that he doesn't miss anything. Yeah, I think that's, you know, speaking on behalf of Shrewsbury Town fans, we're delighted to have him back. Obviously, in the interview you guys did, um, the hour and a half interview where we went through his COVID story was absolutely fascinating, heartbreaking, eye-opening, you know, all those descriptions you could use. And, and anyone listening to this hasn't had a chance to, to watch the hour and a half, I, I really recommend it. And um, shows the work that you guys are doing with the manager in terms of telling his stories he wants to tell, which I think is something I hope we're going to see over the course of the season. Mm. And, and it's going to be a lot of narratives to, to play out, really. I suppose while we're talking about managers, um, I'll go back to you, Lewis. Um, I suppose... You know, you've been here say during two manager changes, so you've worked under three managers maybe now. I think something like. That. How much of an effect does a manager have on what the football club put out in terms of content, or the direction they want to go in terms of, of what, what's presented to the fans? You know, is it something you've noticed? I'm not asking you to name names or situations, but did, did, is that sort of conversation happen, or is it more of a football club? We're going to be doing this and, and kind of get on board with it. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say it's more driven from us, okay. um, and then kind of from the top, from Brian Day, and it's kind of if we think something's a good idea, we'll present our ideas. Um, we're fully flexible with everything we do, really. Yeah. So it's kind of if, if a manager's dead against an idea, then we just won't do it. But yeah, it's more. I think that's more of a question for you, Scott, in terms yeah, of it. Definitely, I do think it does have an impact. Without obviously naming names, it. Mm-hmm. It is a case of you do need to have that discussion with the manager early on in terms of what you'd ideally like to do in terms of the output throughout the season, whether that be training ground access or yeah. um, interview access, what who they're happy to speak to, who they're not happy to speak to. Um, and ultimately, as much as you might like to do something, if the manager's not comfortable with it, then you do have to accept that because you've got to work with them and you've got to understand why they, they think that as much yep. as you can say why you think it's a good idea. So it's tr- trying to get that happy medium because it, as we'd love to stick a GoPro on everyone and have them all mic'd up every training session. But <laughs> Even the ref. Yeah, it's not, it's not always going to be that case. So it's no. just trying to find that, that balance and understand what the manager's comfortable with and what he's not comfortable with. So it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one because we understand that supporters want as much access as they can have, and we'd love to give it them because it's it's the best part of our job is getting that access and, mm. and putting it out to the fans. So yeah, it's it's a tough one to juggle really. It's, uh, we, you know, it was a discussion online recently. I think um, about how we have a lot of content that goes out on Shrew's web behind not behind the paywall behind the, the register for an account and stuff like that that a lot of people sometimes don't see and um, it's, it's sometimes been as a fan I can talk on my behalf because I'm not putting words in your act but John Askey didn't come across as the most engaging man whereas Steve Cottrell does and he's actually quite a, a good salesman for the football club and what's going on so it, you know you've, you've probably got different things to work with um, and you know to, to me Steve Cottrell's a, a massive selling point for us at the moment and I think as the season goes on he obviously gets stronger from the things he's been suffering from 
is something exciting to look forward to, really. So, yeah, it's been interesting the first sort of 15 minutes, really, getting an idea of the, the jobs you've got and, and the roles that you all, all possess, really. And we kind of split this next section down into questions for you individually with the roles that you've got. So, um, yeah, we'll start with Scott, really, first, um, having, having gone through sort of your, your role, really. And as, as someone who's kind of leading this team now and, and you know, driving it forward, go, going forward... Um, what what's your process really for you know one of the questions we had from a, a, a listener called Jordan Priest he wanted to know what our process would be going forward for in, what you've done so far and how you perceive you would improve the club's social media presence and output going forward. So kind of tying in with with Matt when we kind of came in full time at the same time yeah um, and one of the things that Ian openly said when when we joined was that we, you need to put your own say and style into the social media mm-hmm. so. When I came in, that was like my main objective was was to work with the social media and try and improve it, make it more engaging. So the main thing we did, well, I certainly do as well now still, is you just you trawl through everything, whether it be any league in the MLS, Europe, yep. whatever, and you try and see what works with trying to fit in what Shrewsbury means to the fans without losing its you know local appeal. Because at the end of the day, there's no point trying to market yourself like Orlando or anything like that because it, <laughs> it's just not going to work but it's trying to take bits of everything and make it Shrewsbury and make it feel like it's Shrewsbury make it look like it's Shrewsbury that's yeah. where Matt's come in and helped me massively with the graphics he's come up with ideas he thinks will look visually good and I've gone to him with things that I think will look visually good and he, he's, he's come up with that so it's trying to create that consistent branding that consistent image that we feel Shrewsbury fans will be able to instantly look at something, whether it be on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook throughout the season and know that that's coming from us. And that consistency, I think, has really helped in terms of uh, our following and engagement. The main thing, I think, that has really gone on leaps and bounds, what I'd have to say, would be Instagram. Because okay. so I'd say three years ago when we joined, it, the account had been up for six or seven years and it was on 7,500 followers and we're now on 42,000 so that's in the space of just over three years so just putting a bit of time and effort into that visually and some consistent posting and engaging posting and understanding how Instagram works I think has has really helped us come on leaps and bounds and ultimately the more followers the more engagement you get and things like that that helps you with your sponsorship deals and things like that so I can pitch it to Brian and say this is how many millions of engagements we're getting how many clicks etc etc and we can put that all into a package and we, we can market that to potential new sponsors so all this stuff all I think it's stuff that perhaps might go unnoticed in terms of fans just thinking oh you know we're on social media just posting posts it, there is a reason behind it as well mm-hmm. as trying to engage fans and keep them happy and informed in, yeah, yeah we're trying to make sure that going forward we're making this more of a financially viable thing in terms of the social media app because this is something that's growing and growing and growing yeah. uh, it's interesting you say that and probably fascinating but it's a question for you but I guess it's a question for everybody and really. you can chip in what you want but you're presenting this football club and you've mentioned there that you, you, one of the drivers is presenting the football club as what it is it's, yeah. it's our football club Shrewsbury Town what, what do you kind of perceive to be the key kind of touchstones for what this football club is when you present out there obviously we talk about blue and amber that's pretty key but and I think another thing I very much get from the message you put out is family it's always family club family club but are there any other kind of touchstones that you're, you, you kind of feel like you always have to pay reverence to when you're doing things like that uh, the two main things you, you've covered absolutely that's that's what we try and mm. focus on and get that message about because it's it's one of them things that especially the family side the higher up you go the harder it is to try and keep that feel yeah. but it's certainly, and I know, 
I know what's being said at the moment in terms of our, our current colours, but <laughs> our colours are unique yep. and it's something that we're really proud of and we like to really add to all the stuff we put out in terms mm. of our graphics and things like that because it's not that we're coming out every day and we're in red and white and so and there's 50 other clubs with the same. So yeah. that that's something that how we put our stuff out is, is I think is vitally important as well as Blue Amber Army and yeah. the safe standing. That's something obviously I know sometimes Block 19 and whatever feel a bit left out but the last couple of years that's been something that again is unique yeah. and it, it's, it's trying so to highlight visual. them things it's interesting you say that one of, one of the things I noticed I'm just going to move to Matt actually one of the things I noticed with the videos you do for the um, when you walk around the stadium is it's not, almost always focused on Block 19 mm. because it is a unique thing and that is where the, something new is being generated you know I sit in Block 17 near, near 19 so I feel a bit more of a stronger affinity to that as our chanting area but the, the stadium's developed over the, the years you've been here and that's fine I guess you know it is something that you've kind of focused on during these last few years as a, as a kind of come in this looks fun you know yeah I think I think obviously getting safe standing and being the first in England and Wales to actually get it in the ground made it certainly something that we wanted to shout about because I think even now when you hear about Premier League clubs uh, talking about trialling it installing it Sometimes Shrewsbury doesn't get a mention. Yeah. People people acknowledge, oh yeah, Celtic did that, and and oh, it's like when you look out in Germany. But I don't think the wider footballing no. base in this country realise that it's actually here. Um, so I, I try and uh, almost in a PR way, kind of just yeah. try and include it just to promote it. But it is visually great, like just seeing the guys jumping up and down, waving <laughs> flags, banging a drum. I try and include as many of the different blocks as possible. Block 19, I mean, I was I got involved with the club in the Paul Hurst season, so obviously there was a lot of Block 19 that I was focusing on yeah. then with, with just the chanting of, you know, we're on our way to the championship and all of those things, like just trying to get... That's kind of what I'm really trying to focus on on a match day, and if, if, if I could get somebody else to more focus on the games, then I'd quite happily go around and try and get those different shots of, of the crowd... Um, but uh, yeah I think just off what Scott said in terms of the branding and, and what Shrewsbury Town means I think you know the colours and, and the just to try and establish a real strong identity with the club in general has been sort of a goal of mine to try and establish and that not just social media not let it just stop there and just across everything to so try and just elevate the clubs mm-hmm. to to the 21st century in terms of the branding and and at the end of the day, I know people don't like the idea of football clubs being a brand, but that is yep. that is an element to it, and and you want it to be something that fans and supporters are proud of, and they see something, and they just want their football club to just look good. Yeah, we'll come back to brand. It's a good point as well. I suppose while we're just talking more roundly about this thing, I think for me as a huge town fan, if I think about things that I'm proud of that I like the football club presenting, it's our heritage, our history, and you know our respect for old players old managers that did well for us not not the ones that did so rubbish I'm not interested in too much about that going forward lads but you know I think that's you've probably met Shrewsbury Town fans as you've been here over this time There's a, there is a real um, pride in their town and their history and everything that's gone on that you know the football club should be promoting and I know you do and have done over these last few years Yeah and I think that's that's really reflected in the staff I think absolutely everyone that's involved with the club deeply cares about the club um, everyone puts in a lot of hard work to put us in the best position possible whether that's on the field off the field mm-hmm. um, just touching on that sloping family again we definitely feel like we're a part of that family yeah. we're trying to do our, the best for our family um, yeah ev- everyone connected with the club deeply cares about what we are what we stand for and like you said our heritage and history yeah. because it, it is our identity and it's important 
Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, just going back to Scott, I know we were sort of going through some of the points. And then one of the next questions I had, and this is kind of from what you told me, one of your responsibilities, obviously, I think you're probably the one that deals with the press the most, um, yeah. which can be a good or a bad thing for clubs at times, depending on what's going on. And yeah, I suppose, what's the, what is the re- relationship with the local press like at the moment? We've, we've been through difficult times during my time at the football club where, you know, probably, I don't even know if you're aware of this, but the shop style were banned for certain periods yeah. of time. But clearly there seems to be a bit more of a, a better work relationship than that now going, going on. Yeah, I, I think that's something that since taking over has been one of my main focuses in terms of making sure that, yeah, we protect the club from our point of view in terms of what's going out and what's being said. But... At the end of the day, I'm fully aware that these guys have got to do a job themselves. And we, like I said, have to protect the club. But they, at the end of the day, are entitled to their opinion in terms of how they see it. As long as they're not overstepping the mark in terms of saying things that they yeah. shouldn't, in terms of putting anyone in a, in a bad position, um, I'm fully appreciative of that. I think just being able to give them a little bit of trust in terms of uh, when we're having signings or something like that, just slowly working on that relationship in terms of letting them know perhaps a little bit ahead of time setting them embargoes and that they respect that and yeah. I haven't had any issues in terms of yeah. that so it's it's a tough one because you know when when things aren't going well which which they hadn't at some points last season it's it's hard because you want to protect the manager you want to yeah. make sure that everything's as easy as it can be this side so it's, it's it's really hard to try and keep that that balance but Overall, I think as well, all three of us included, I think the guys um, at Radio Disruption and Shropshire Star, they, they understand that we're trying to help them as much as mm. we can to a degree. So I think they're appreciative of that. I think, yeah, <coughs> press and football club relationships take you away from just this football club. There's always going to be a tiny bit of tension there because by the very nature of a press independently reporting something, you're going to be critical at times when a manager won't want to hear it or you know even fans don't want to hear it sometimes. But, you know The press are accused of being as too negative at times. So I think mm-hmm. it's, it's a tricky relationship for you to manage with the local press. I suppose how much more bonkers does it get when a Liverpool game comes along and the national press descend on you? Are you yeah. basically all having sleepless nights then? That's when you start getting your Excel spreadsheet out <laughs> and seeing who's coming and who's parking where, who's sitting there and, <laughs> and whatnot. But yeah, well, it's it, just now, to for instance, to put into context, with Steve Cottrell and his COVID interview, I've probably had over about 35 requests from different news outlets all wanting to speak to him. Mm. And you've got to sit down and go through that with Steve and try and prioritise and pick a time and organise them and you you don't always get approached yourself like he'll he'll get approached or people ask Brian and it's just it's trying to keep on top of that and mm. manage it and trying to figure out what what's the best way to do it and prioritising as much as you don't want to but when it's a case like that you don't want um, Steve sitting down and doing 36, 37 interviews where he's more or less saying the same thing so yeah. For instance, in terms of prioritising, you've probably seen the stuff on BBC. Well, it was the main BBC sport that came to do an interview. And the idea of that is if he does that one, then you can spread it down to the more regional um, TV companies and their radio. So it's stuff like that where you have to try and manage it in terms of, yeah, if you do this big one, sit down TV interview them and can distribute distribute it to other outlets so it's it's a juggling act really yeah and you don't get too many of those moments per season do you I suppose where the, the focus of the national game suddenly descends on Shrewsbury Town yeah. and it's it is like you say the point where we can put ourselves as much forward you get that and say standing out there and stuff like that I guess when, when it's like that do you all have to chip in with the press then or is it always top yeah. shop yeah. Yeah, have to do. so like I suppose Lewis when we had that Liverpool game you know kind of what, what would you have to do sort of managing a certain set of journalists to do this that or the other I don't know what would have been your role in that 
So uh, heavily it would have been with Scott, of course, okay. but it's just doing the little things to help him out. Um, it can be something as simple as putting the seating plan up in the press box, okay. making sure the press know where their facilities are. Um, it's just the little things that kind of he doesn't need to think about while he's trying to organise all of that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's mostly with Scott that one. Okay, and going back to Scott for the last couple of questions, really, I've got for you before we move on to Matt and Lewis. Um, is there are there any clubs that you you look at the content they put out regularly and you think, man, they nail it every time? And be, you know, we don't want to replicate what they do, but some yeah. some consistency like that. Are there, are there clubs that you think do a really good job that you, you kind of inspire to be like? Yeah, I'd say um, one of my favourite clubs in terms of just their their output, their branding, marketing, everything, and you'll probably this gets replicated in the club as a whole, not just the media. You'll yep. you'll see it, but I'd probably say Bristol City. Oh wow, okay. Um, just everything they put out is bang on in terms of their messaging, branding. Um, you've seen the facilities that they've got going yep. on, and and they really have made that whole environment a really inclusive one. And I think that's something that obviously we try and replicate here with with the family feel, but just all the amenities that they've got in and around the stadium as well I just I think that should they get to the Premier League it's one of them things where they really kick on because they've got that infrastructure there yeah so there's plenty of clubs and like I said mentioned earlier there's there's clubs in the MLS where I like how they do their social media because everything in the MLS is about branding and Mm. and marketing and they they heavily invest with resources and stuff like that and that's one thing that's that's tough with us three is we're really ambitious and we we want to do these things that we can't always necessarily do we we have to prioritize what does what we can get away with with the three man team we've got because you go you go to some um teams even in this league and they've got like 10 members of media staff whereas you you we, I think we're fortunate in some instances because I know that some clubs still only have one or two yeah so the fact that we've got three, I'm, I'm always grateful for that. But I think the, the nature of us always wanting to do more and always wanting to achieve more and do more for you guys is is hard because we know that there's a ceiling in terms mm. of resources. I think being a fan of Shrewsbury Football Club, I always thought that there are certain things that if we have a cop promoted to the championship, there are definitely departments at this football club that would need an upgrade. You know, you, you look at yourselves, you probably would want to add some more staff who are in the championship, for example. The club shop needs a, probably a big upgrade if we ever got promoted and other aspects like that. So hopefully Steve gets you a promotion and then you can have as many staff as yeah. you like next season. It'll be a fine. nice conversation with Brian. <laughs> Happy I've got, headache. <laughs> I've got these last two questions for all of you and we'll, we'll go through it with your section as well. But um, what is the thing you enjoy about this job the most? Um, one, match day. Yeah. Uh, like that's the, that's the main part which I missed last year with no fans because it just wasn't the same but you could have, you could have a pretty average week but you know you're looking forward to Saturday and, and it that's the, a massive reward of the job and Second thing, I know you said one, but it's just, I like, I just like the, it, it can be a good and a bad thing, but the main thing I like is that it's an unpredictable job at times mm-hmm. in terms of it, it always keeps you on your toes. You can't say you're coming in to work nine five and you know exactly what you're doing because you could get four or five calls throughout the day saying this is happening and you have to think on your feet and, and sort it out and it's, it, most of the time it's fun stuff. Mm. You can have some, some bad stuff, which, <laughs> which means that the unpredictable side is, is hard, but more or less I, I like that unpredictable side because it, it's I don't want to go to a job where I know exactly what I'm going to do for the next eight hours oh, well thanks I've got to go back to that in a minute so uh, I feel really good about that no um, <laughs> all spreadsheets um, yeah I, I guess that's really fair you're part of that grand soap opera that is football yeah. when it kicks off and, and it must be fascinating to be part of it um, and I, you know you probably just mentioned it you could say whatever you want spreadsheets you know computers whatever but is, is there something you find out about this job you just oh, it niggles me I just wish it wasn't like that um, I think it probably does come down to the social media side in okay. terms of sometimes whether it they fans think it or not. No, we go. For, for, <laughs> no, for 
you feeling like you're to blame for something that might have that happened at the club that's not necessarily your yep. your fault because obviously at the end of the day we can have an input and try and have a say in things but we are that communication source that's putting it out and I don't, you, you definitely develop a thick skin mm. but it's a case of if you're reading it day in day out sometimes that gets a bit you yep. know when you're having a long week but that's just that's part and parcel of the job but it's a, one of the very few negatives and things about this job that is just to be yeah I'm typical me I have to ask a negative question that's that's just my psyche that is unfortunately (laughs) so yeah we'll move on to Matt now really and and you've given us a a good idea of your job one of the things I I read through when you gave me a little bit of a brief before we did this interview was that you know quite a lot of the work you're doing is creative and and developing you know that branding and and the ways things are looking Um, I suppose the first point of call for me really is where where are you kind of trying to get your inspiration from for the, the ways things are presented is there again is it based on what other football clubs are doing is it you know based on what you think the football club wants and the combination of that or are there, are there things you've used over the years that kind of help you to format your videos in a certain way or whatever? I don't know. Yeah, um, I think in terms of the branding, I think before I got involved with the club, I think it was very much of, because it's just something I've always been interested in and I've always just liked, I've just always, I've been passionate about football kits and, and yeah. just how they're designed and I've just always had a bit of an eye for things that, oh, that's nice or that, that, the way they, they've, they've shown off that part of their, their football club or even just a brand in general I've yeah. just I've always spotted things and liked them so I think even when I was like I said when I first started watching Shrewsbury I think I'd just I'd always imagine like oh what would that kit look like if, if they did it, did it with that brand or, or, or it'd be cool if you could change that sign and just even geeky things like different fonts and stuff it's just it's there was that element to it but then just when I got involved again like Scott said Bristol City um, just a lot of clubs, Tottenham. There's lots of clubs that have got a real clear, established brand, and it's fortunately I've been given the the ability to essentially just come in when Ian was here and Brian himself as well, just to give me sort of free reign as well, as right. long as just just to sort of propose this is what I think we should do, and and really it's all been incremental. Like everything I've done, I've, it'd be initially it'd be okay well this is what we'll do the, gra- the graphics on social media and then that branched out to well we'll always try and use this font on everything because then mm. it always it it's keeps it's keeping that consistent um and, and it's it's really just sort of look at what what trends are going on i really like people have noticed that obviously i i use the loggerheads quite a lot in things just backgrounds and stuff and that's sort of inspired by england and how they use the three lines obviously having the three loggerheads is very similar so i try and I try and take elements of that and you just sort of see what works and you can it's adaptable like every season we'll have a set style mm. like we've gone for this neon look this year but then last year it was more heavily inspired by what the kit looked like yeah. but then on top of that you then have the master brand that won't really change and the idea is that will stay the same for the foreseeable future mm. and, and it's just to try and make it look visually interesting. And, and you say, you know, you mentioned previously, but just diving into it a bit more, really, is you, you kind of, you know, I think we've talked about this as a, as a group just before we started talking, really. There are some clubs that have a brand manager, for example, that kind of takes elements of what you're doing and maybe elements of what Scott and Lewis are doing and Brian and decisions further up and kind of packages all that together to, to have that consistent thing. And we, we don't quite have that yet, obviously, and, and probably plays on what Scott said about where that ceiling is. But, you know, is that something that, you know, down the line is, is a potential option, really? I think I think it's something I'd 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 love to do. It's something that I I like to look at just how, what the football club puts out in general. Be that mm. you know a, a top that you can buy in the shop, um, a sign that will just go up on the roadside. It's just <laughs> any any anything like that that just 
you can see something sometimes and you just think, oh, it's a shame that we didn't do it that way or, or we, we could do it this way. It's just anything like that. I'd, I'd just, I'd love to be involved in that. And long term, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm not here and I'm somewhere else in the future, I think that's probably the sort of role I'd like to go into because I think, I don't know how these guys feel, but I feel that the social media side, working with the players and everything, I think I don't know if I could be able to do that when I'm in my... 40s 50s and yeah. I think something like that is probably something that I'd work towards in the long run because I, I think you've I think what we benefit from is being similar ages to the players is that you've got that rapport with them whereas I think if I'm older I don't think I will have that rapport it might be harder <laughs> so to try and do something that's more on the business and mm. football club sides is probably what I'd like to do long term it, it seems, from people I've met working at the football club over the years you know again long before your time it, it seems to be that once you get into football you, funnily enough you can kind of go into lots of different jobs mm. and different avenues at different football clubs and I'm not trying to see you all out the door yet but <laughs> you know it does it does open doors especially if you've had a good rapport with a CEO or a manager and you, you get it's like any business I suppose you get a good CV and, and stuff like that but yeah you know it is, it is, it is fascinating the brand manager thing and, and, and bringing it something consistent together and you know we appreciate the reasons why Brian is given the fact we're in a yellow kit this season just things like that that sometimes can under underplay what, what I suppose you guys try and do I'm not you know, not putting words in your mouth but I think it's it's an interesting discussion but there we go we, we are with Umbro now and we'll, we'll live with that going forward um, something else I was going to ask you about who owns the drone that you use often is that your own drone or is it a football club drone it is it is <laughs> it is my own drone um, oh, I <laughs> It, I do have a license, oh, right, and, okay. and I'm not. I'm not just. I'm not one of these that's just suddenly going to Heathrow and trying to cause trouble. But <laughs> yeah. but um, no, I. It was just something that I. I liked just seeing diff, different YouTubers and, and people like that before I got involved with the club. Um, just started to use them, and I think they they have their place in terms of. I. I think it's just great to get just nice aerial shots of the stadium and everything. It's it's a difficult one. It's something you'd love to be able to use more on a match day, but that's where the whole safety issue comes into things and yeah. that you can't have it directly above the stadium with people in and everything. So it's typically I'll try and use it when there's nobody around just because just <laughs> if there was a what if, then at <laughs> least then I'm, 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 only, I'm, only, I'm only damaging <laughs> like some <laughs> like a building or something as opposed to <laughs> anything horrible. But no, it's, it is my drone, yeah. I, and I guess and, you know, we've seen it used on various bits and bobs, I suppose. And one of the things that fans find fascinating is how, and it might be one for you, Scott or Lewis, I'm not too sure how it kind of works together, but obviously as the videographer, you're the one putting the launch videos together for signing new players, which is always a massively exciting thing. And, and you see football clubs across the country doing all these random different things at the moment, don't you? From I, I saw one today, I can't remember what it was now, but it was just complete... Oh, it was a picture of um, the guy that re-signed for... The guy that looks like Voldemort, and they Newport, like yeah. Newport County, and they things like that. And it's like, is that more of a... When a new player signs, you all bang your heads together and come up with a plan? Is, is yeah, I think that's where what Scott said earlier, in that we, we always discuss just ideas mm. one, any one of us could come in and go why, why, why don't we try that that's great um, you, again you look at what other clubs do I think this again this year we've tried to we wanted to make sure that there was a consistency so that we're always announcing a player exactly the same way it doesn't matter whether you're seeing them as a you know some, some supporters might see them as a fringe player or some might consider him to be like a star signing yeah. you want to give them the same treatment and okay. so that's what we've endeavoured to do this season uh, and and yeah, we just any ideas that we come up with. I think last season, or I think when we signed Josh Vella, was a phase where we were just just doing a different announcement for every player. <laughs> so that's where we did like the the weird countdown one and everything. Uh, and you just you try and do just different ones to just again. Ultimately, you're just trying to get engagement and you're just trying to build on the excitement because the likelihood is is that if you're signing a player, is that 
it ends up getting reported, it ends up getting announced. So our announcement isn't really an announcement as such. It's more of just confirmation, cel- yeah, confirmation and celebrating that, it, yeah. that we've got getting the player. So that's where you can maybe have a bit more fun with things sometimes. That's fair enough. Okay, good stuff. And I, I suppose, um, last couple of questions for you really, what's, what's your favourite part of the job? One thing I noticed, you know, as a Future Battalion fan, I do see Matt a lot more than the, the two of you because you're obviously dealing with the journalists on match days and you're undertaking your interviews. Yeah, we're not, we're not sat at home, probably. <laughs> <laughs> he does. They are here, um, but Matt clearly is wandering around, roaming. I, That's I all know. I do. Wander. <laughs> is that one of the things you enjoy the most? Meeting more town fans, and or, uh, or is there other things about the job you like more? I think. I think just just because of the very nature of it, on a match day, these guys are in the press box and 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 more hidden away in a way, but equally. I'm just wandering around on the grass or, or in the stands. I mean, it's you mentioned before about it, what's it like when we have the likes of, say, Liverpool or someone like come. I really love it when we have um, games like that. I, I mm. just I, I live for those mad games where you 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 know we're kind of we fans as well, yeah. and and it's like it, for for as hard as say a, a Gillingham away on a Tuesday night might be in terms <laughs> of the track and or, or you know travelling up to Sunderland and everything. You do then have those really high moments, and we've been really fortunate in having those yeah. cup runs and, and those those great nights. And they just the buzz you get from that. I think because you get involved and you get to know the players, and you feel a part of the team and everything. So those wins do end up feeling more, and and so that's something I do really love. Just the whole match day experience. And and again, you know, negative. What's what's the, you know? I suppose you were the one who complained about rain. I suppose more than anyone. Yeah. What's the, what's the trickiest? <laughs> yeah, it's job? it's hard when to try and do my job when <laughs> it's chucking it down and and again that's where if it's a big game where we've got a packed out stadium I wince because I think oh, I'll lose all my good dry spots within the stands <laughs> um, but I think sometimes if it's really raining heavily <laughs> when we're going away and stewards can be funny about me going mm. in the stand and everything not been a problem last year although I didn't really like it at all not having any fans because I think that took the the atmosphere out of the, out of the stadium but, yeah. but no I, I, I think really it is probably is the weather <laughs> there, we go, there we go and it's funny and I will say this on the podcast I don't know if you told the other two but my daughter met Matt for the first time away at Hereford and she was like who's that I said oh it's Matt Burgess he does the um, he does the videos that we've shown her before and she said Matt Burgers so he's known as Matt Burgers to my daughter from now on so there you go you're more than welcome yeah, so, to use sometimes that. we call him Matt Burgers <laughs> yeah. you're more than welcome to use that it's not helpful board. with my first initials being <laughs> M and C as well McBurger stay in <laughs> right, and we'll move to Lewis now. Uh, last but not least, Lewis, I will say that. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned just at the start, and there's one of the questions I had later on, but it's something I want to come to now because I know quite a lot of fans are asking about it, is you mentioned that the programme's coming back um, this season. I was aware of that because as part of the fan groups, we get asked to contribute articles. Um, but yeah, obviously you're going to have a big, important part of coming forward on that. It was just really getting an idea of what the programme's going to be this year, what the kind of plan is, and, and is it going to be the big, big things we had before, or are we slimming it down still because of potentially COVID issues? What, what's the aim this year? So with the programme, I won't go into too much specific detail until <laughs> until match day, but um, me and Scott have sat down and Matt have sat down and looked at loads of different programmes, looked at loads of our old programmes, yep. and we've tried to cherry-pick the best things and take inspiration. Um, obviously, there's some originality in there as well. Um, but yeah, we've tried to just rather than putting things in to fill a page, we're putting things in because they're interesting, they're engaging, there's something fans are going to want to read. Um, so the process behind the program has been ensuring it's it's something that's interesting and you want you want to 
by the programme to see. Yeah. Um, exclusivity is always an important thing for a programme as well, so things in there won't necessarily be seen on the website either. So yeah, okay. there's a reason to buy it, um, and hopefully it's something the fans will enjoy. Um, for me, a programme is part of the match day experience. Whenever I go to a football match that's not Shrewsbury, I will buy a programme. Yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, and there's been debates recently, hasn't there, whether you should do one, whether you shouldn't do one. Mm. I've always been in the court of, yeah, let's do one. I'm excited for it. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, I'm only having this conversation from having spoken to Ian Whitfield back in the day, and we used to produce pages and pages of almost 100 pages at one point, and I used to think, considering it at that point in time, there was only really Ian and maybe I think one of you helping at that time, it seemed like a real use of resources, and obviously Scott's talked about resources, so I guess there's a balance to be struck there that you probably think is, is fine this year. It's, it's worth the effort that you're going to put into it. It's great for the fans to present information for them, and, and it's heading in that right direction. Yeah, 100%. It does take a lot of resources, but that's where you have to make sure you're balancing things correct and you're getting, yeah. getting the right difference between, okay, we'll put this amount of time and this amount of pages into the programme, but I also need to keep my attention on the website and, and all the interviews mm. that we do. So all of these different things take preparation and it's about finding that fine balance, like yeah. I've said, to, to ensure you get the best result. I was just going to add to the programme. What, what I will say is we've... We've had to think long and hard about as much as we wanted to bring the programme back. Have some tough conversations with Brian because I don't know how much you know or supporters know, but the programme's never really something that we, we gain from financially. It's, it's more or less something that we break even yep. with and obviously our, our sponsorships help a lot with that. So it's it's been a case where we've really had to sit down and, and think about what what works like you mentioned the the amount of pages like if if you're going up to a hundred or whatever you <laughs> mentioned last time it's the more pages you have the more it costs etc etc and yeah. you tr- it's it's a, always a fine balance you're trying to balance that with the the, the amount of sponsors you've got because you don't want it to be too sponsorship heavy mm. so it's one of them where it's it's more than ever with everything that's gone on with covid we've got to make sure that we're not losing out financially from it so with fans coming back there's there's all the more reason to have a program but it's it's definitely things that might not have been that we worried about in the past as much we've had to really take into consideration this time I think that's that's, that's yeah. not to say fans are expecting a, a 10 page program this season <laughs> get one of the uh, you know LDV uh, two four page insert jobs we used yeah. to do back in the day when it was like the 90s so yeah I mean I've got I've got I collect, I collect programs from the first game I ever came to so I want to have every home program from that era and the vast difference between programs from the 90s into 2000s into the 2010s where they just ballooned into some massive thing compared to what we used to have so it is a fascinating thing but I agree with what Lewis was saying they are definitely a part of the match day experience and a lot of people missed them last year and I think it was really good that you did the end of season programme and I think that went down really well Lewis Yeah that was a community initiative Mm. uh, mainly but yeah there was some good content in there again Um, I enjoyed contributing to that I know you guys did different things for it as well Um, there was a really nice feature in there with uh, Matthias Sarkic who's just gone on loan to Birmingham yeah yeah, so definitely some interesting stories. And that's that's the beauty of a programme as well. You can look at more feature pieces about the person, about where they've come from, what they've done in life. And that's one of my favourite things about doing it, is getting to know them and telling their story. That's good. i got a question about getting to know people in a minute for you, actually. But you, you mentioned the website there as well. And um, I think back in the day, a lot of Shrewsbury Town fans, again, way before your time, might have said that the quality of information we put on the website was sketchy at best, particularly with the way we would check things before we put them out there. And that's no criticism of anyone particularly. 
and, and Ian, me, me and Ian Whitfield have always joked about this over the years, but I, you know, I guess one of your main um, concerns when you're putting anything out now is the quality and consistency of what you're putting out, and is it something you put a lot of stock into? Oh, 100%. Um, you spend as much time writing a piece as you do checking it. Um, a lot of things I'll run through these guys as well, not because I don't believe in my own ability, it's just <laughs> it's good to have a second eye because definitely if you're fatigued you might miss something, and yep. if you can catch one error then that's brilliant. Um, but yeah, quality control is always going to be an, an important thing. At the end of the day, we're working for a, for a big company, aren't we? Mm. It's a big staple of the community and you want to make sure everything you do is right, concise and clear. Um, so yeah, we do focus on making sure everything is the gold standard as, as much as it can be. That's great. And I said to you, I was going to ask you about you know meeting people and kind of getting used to, to how they work. And you obviously interview the manager and Brian, but you interview all the players during the course of the season. And how initially difficult do you find it meeting someone for that first time and interviewing them? You know, to me, you know, I've kind of met you guys before, but still kind of interviewing you seems a bit weird in, at the end of the day. And I don't do it every day. And you're doing it with different people who are vastly more knowledgeable and experienced about football stuff than, no offence, all three of you probably are. And, and how, how initially difficult do you find that? Or is it something you've learned to kind of live with as you go, go on? It is difficult and it's one of the hardest things to prepare for, even though you, you might not think it is. Um, most people think, oh, you're just asking a few questions, but <laughs> you have to go off what they say and what they're telling you. But in terms of, of sign-ins, I have a little process where the second I find out who it is, I'll go straight onto YouTube, yep. watch some of their interviews to see their mannerisms, their mm-hmm. body language, see how they answer questions. Um, and when that individual comes in, we'll do photos first. That gives me a chance to get to know them a little bit, have a little bit of banter with them, make them feel comfortable. Um, for a lot of players, for example, Ryan Bowman, it was like he doesn't know anyone here, so it's like his first day at school. Um, <laughs> so getting to know him a little bit, making him feel a bit more comfortable before I'm sitting down and, and grilling him with a few questions is always a good thing. Yeah. So yeah, I always put an emphasis on getting to know the person, making them comfortable, and then I'll, some, I'll never show them my questions, but I'll tell them the kind of direction I want the interview to go in. Good. Um, but a lot of a lot of the players we get are senior pros aren't they so they know what they're going to say I was going to say and they've done it a million times before haven't they and they probably appreciate how that first interview is very difficult for anyone isn't it I suppose and um, and that's fine and I guess over the course of the season as you get to know the players you, you know would you say you become close with some of the players and, and you, you mm-hmm. get to, friends is maybe a difficult word but a really close working relationship I guess yeah because a lot of fans will look at the players as just players um, I look at them as people first and foremost mm-hmm. and I want the people I work with the people I spend day to day with to do well so even when a player moves on to something new it's always good to see them and good to keep in contact keep keep tabs on what they're doing it's always <laughs> interesting but yeah I'd, I'd say that's one one thing I've learned from football is a lot of people just see the name on the back of the shirt and I don't Athletes are open to criticism, and that's that's completely acceptable. Yep. That's the way it should be. I don't like it when it gets personal because I, I know that person, and I know it's affecting that person. And yeah, that that's one difficult thing for me. Um, it's it's the people that I you care about them deeply because you mm. want them to do well, and quite selfishly, if they do well, so do we. I, that's a really fair point, and, and totally something that I've talked with a lot of people at the football club about over the years is that anyone that works here and has got to know them from the chairman, the CEO to. You know, Andy Tretton to Sib in the club shop. You know, generally they get to know all the players we've got across the course of the season. But I just sit in Block 17 and I go away. And and, and I find it really difficult. I, I think I find it incredibly difficult to interview any Shrewsbury Town player. I found it hard to interview Sam Ricketts last year because suddenly it takes away from me that distance that you were talking about. So um, it, I think that's a completely fair point because, as you say, they are people that you, you've got respect and, and admiration for for what they're doing. You work with them. You know, they're colleagues at the end of the day. And I think, yeah, that is probably the biggest difference between how you view the players and, and the 
fans can view them at times. I'm not sure not all fans view them the same way as I do. But um, yeah, it's a really interesting point, that, to be fair. I guess you just mentioned that, you know, the, the parts of your job really um, that can be difficult. Have you ever had any eggy moments that we've not seen through interviews? Has there been tricky questions that have suddenly had to be edited out or anything? Yeah, it's more common than you think, really. <laughs> really? Okay. Um, <laughs> Scott's laughing. <laughs> if, if, for example, I'm not going to throw anyone under no, the bus, but if you get a young player who's never done an interview before in his life he might struggle a little bit he might not know what to say he might stumble so that's where you say okay don't worry we'll start again yeah. that, that's in the bin there we start again and I'd, I'll do that a hundred times I don't mind mm. but yeah I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus but there, there has been occasions where you start again and that's completely fine I think that's fine I'll I, I say someone I remember watching the interview of but Tom Blockson when he did his first interview he seemed so nervous the poor lad and I thought that's got to be so hard for him to suddenly be thrust from a youth team where he probably thought he was a way off getting to this point and suddenly starting lineup, interviews your press media you know I, I th- think for players that must be incredibly difficult when you first do it and again by the time you get to Elliot Bennett's age it's like water for duck's back you yeah. could do it in five minutes couldn't you so, I, I, um, yeah. I think that's where like what Lewis is saying I think that's where we all try and build as best a relationship we can with all of the players because yeah. I think if, if at the end of the day they're comfortable talking to us if ever we've got to interview them or, or ask them to do something if we've got video requests or anything that they're just seeing that I, they're, I'd like to think they see it as they're helping a mate out mm. I'd, I'd, I'd I wouldn't like to judge exactly what any of the players think of me or Scott or Lewis, but I I think we all try just to be as as friendly and as nice to them as possible. And and at at the end of the day, that's not for being false. That is, you know, we we want to get to know them like you would any other co-worker. And I think... I think we try and build a good relationship because then that's where you get them to relax in interviews and they are their most authentic selves because I think sometimes it's difficult to get that across to the supporters sometimes of somebody can be so different on camera mm. and then when you the camera's away you, you actually see the, you know, they're, they're relaxed, they're laughing, they're joking and you want to try and capture what we see that and that can be across the board in terms of that can be staff here, that can be managers, it can be players. It's, you want to try and get that person that we see on camera. And sometimes we only see that when you do the training ground footage, for example, and you see the players mucking yeah. around in the background and yeah. interacting with each other where you're where they'd suddenly not noticed you're even yeah. there. Some of that's quite fascinating, I find. I'll come back to your best and worst things about your job in a minute, Lewis, but it just prompt me one quick question, I suppose, for Scott, is that during your time, and I'm going to assume Jason Cummins, maybe or maybe not, but <laughs> are there players that come in and say, actually, do you know what, I, I, at my last club, I've been part of you know social media and kind of getting myself out there and their roles I can help the football club do you know I know Ben Foster at West Brom has like a GoPro in the back of the goal now and obviously must work with their media team there on the, that content they put out I mean might not happen during your time but you know a player like that would probably be gold dust if he walked in through the door wouldn't he yeah I think there's not been a case where they've necessarily said that they want to help do stuff but it's a case where they know that if they say act up to the camera or they pose or do this it's only going to benefit us because it helps our output because we want that fun engaging stuff so in terms of yeah, fans might have their split opinions on Jason Cummins, but for us, in terms of content, he was gold dust. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was fascinating he, to he watch was, him as a human being. No matter what he was doing on and off the pitch, he was posing or doing something. So that I, I remember saying to these guys when he went, it's, it's sad because if you're having a quiet week, you can just fish out a picture of Jason Cummins doing something <laughs> and it, it, it helps. So There's lots of things yeah. on the cutting room floor that will never be seen. I, I do. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Yeah, I, I think that's fascinating. And hopefully, you know, hopefully you get some more characters through the doors like that um, in the next few weeks before the season starts. Um, and yeah, come back to you, Lewis. Then. So, what what do you enjoy about your job the most, really, on a day to day basis? One thing, if I can mention before I answer that question, Go on, yeah, sure. Uh, young players. Oh yeah. So once a season, 
um, at least we tried to get the under 18s up for a feature piece on camera for me that's kind of an introduction to media for them so when they do come to do another one they can say yeah I've done this before they know what to expect and I think that's important because young players don't know what to expect and if you can give them a little insight into what they might have to do here elsewhere or whatever they're going on and mm. do in football I think that's only going to benefit them um, and we've had we've had press officers say oh he's a wonderful lad you know once they've moved on you know they're really good at interviews and that's kind of a bit of, I take a bit of pride in that because yeah, you you've helped them on that journey kind of thing. And it's, it only seems like a small thing, but if you can help them in any way, then that makes me happy. I think that's fair. Actually, I had a question because there's a few questions where the fans will cover off in the, in the last five minutes of this interview. But one of them was, do players in the academy get social media training now in some respects, whether it's delivered by the community team or yourselves in terms of the do's and don'ts of being an academy player? Because we've seen some examples recently of... Portsmouth's youth team where there is a WhatsApp group where suddenly things are discovered and that's not good for them but it's also terrible for the football club and I suppose is there some form of that training going on or is it something that needs to be looked at maybe is that for Scott are you looking towards him more, more internally there's, there's always a discussion within the academy and community of, of what's expected social media is such a prevalent thing yep. now it, it's everywhere there's no escaping like you said what's come up recently with Portsmouth it's, it's important to raise awareness mm. the main thing that wasn't done before and now that that Lewis has mentioned from our point of view is just get gaining that first time experience of of speaking to a camera. Yeah. I think it's one of them things that the higher up you go the more it's it's implemented again with resources, having the time to sit down and kind of do that that classroom feel or get a small bunch and say, if you if you need help or advice with social media or this is the expectations, you do get that at other levels because we we've had say um Luke McCormick came from Chelsea, Chelsea yeah. um, and then th- there's been a, there's been a couple of others, but they they've had that media training, which has involved social media. It's involved um, plenty of camera work. It's, it's it's something that the higher up you go with these bigger academies, that they've got that in place to do it. Yeah, and um, it's, it, again, it comes down to resources. It's it's trying to get that and, and implement it at this level as well which isn't always easy No, so you, I guess what you're just saying then is yeah it does happen yeah. it's a bit more informal within the academy but yeah. there is some um, some help for them there it's, it's fascinating to be fair. so we will get around to what, what is the thing you enjoy about this job the most Liz? <laughs> it's a simple one for me the FA Cup oh right there oh. you go those magical comebacks, <laughs> the, the one that springs to mind is Stoke. Mad. Probably the best feeling I've ever had at a football game. Yeah. Incredible. Um, yeah, what a day that was. The FA Cup, it's incredible. <laughs> the great competition and the fact there's replays again, it's absolutely fantastic. It, it, and going back to what we talked about before, one of the things you talk about, things that is important to this football club, and it probably is to lots of lower league clubs, but I, I've always had a, a big thing about the FA Cup and this, this club. It's it's always been massive, and I know you guys have always make a play on it because it's it's one of the big things of every season. But again, you know, I'm not just giving you hints and stuff. But you know, it, it, FA Cup's always massive to huge fan football club fans. Um, but I remember that game because I booed Ricketts half time because he made a sub, didn't he? Which seemed defensive when we were three 0 down. <laughs> so what do I know? Um, there we go. Um, and and what what niggles you really? Are there any any computer programs that do your head in, or is there anything like that? <laughs> I'll go down the simple route. It's getting back at two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and still having bits to do. Oh man, it's not the best, but it's all part it's of it. All part of the, the, yeah. the rich tapestry of working for a football club, I suppose. Um, so it's great. I mean, we've done an hour there, going through all your jobs. We've just got a few questions for the fans to finish off, really. And um, yeah, I don't know. Stick your hand up if you if you've got a good answer for it, or we can both we can all have a, have a shout, really. Um, yeah, I suppose let's start with where we are now as Shrewsbury Town Football Club. I mean. Matt, start with you really. Ambitions this season. Where, where do you think we're headed? Is, are you positive about where we're at at the moment and everything's going on? You know, let's talk football. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 
I don't, I don't know is my first, is my first answer because who knows what could happen. But I, I just what we get to see of the manager and how he is with the players and his attention to detail and everything. And I, I think we all have absolute faith in that he knows what he's doing. And and I, I think I always go into a season with optimism. I mean, I think yeah. I, I've always gone in and. I've always been the same. Like England's always going to win the tournament. You know, Man United are always going to win the league. So with, with Shrewsbury, I always think, I always think, what if, what if? And I think what was fortunate for me is that my first season working with the, the club was um, the Paul Hurst season. Oh. So I know what can be possible. <laughs> yep. So therefore, I always think, yeah, why not? And so I don't know what this season could hold, but I certainly, I always dream of the best case scenario. Yes, it's fascinating. You've seen that. Magic in a that magic in a bottle of that season where everybody pulled in the same together. direction. It probably is quite rare at every football club, I would suggest, because it's so difficult to get everybody singing. And the last six, eight weeks of that season, I, I haven't really experienced that as a Shrewsbury football fan. And it's so annoying it didn't quite go the right way. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's quite it's quite rare anyway. But um, go on, Scott. I suppose uh, you know. You, you, it's nothing I was going to quickly talk about is. Um, we were discussing before we started about how, um, as a media team, you've always been based down at the football club, mm-hmm. um, but now things are moving around. We've obviously got the 3G pitch, the community team's expanding fantastically, um, and it sounds like you might be looking to move up to training ground. I suppose that's going to give you a daily view, even more than you probably had before, of quite what's going on this season. So, yeah, that would yeah. be fascinating, wouldn't it? I think, going back to what we spoke about a few minutes ago in terms of improving relationships, that's the key reason for us going up there Mm. in terms of we're based here at the moment Monday to Friday and as you can see now there's not much going on yet we're ready to (laughs) open a new season but day to day it's all going on at the training ground in terms of what we need so if we're needing something we're just commuting up and down at the moment Mm. and it's not it's not ideal and in the week again when you've got a busy Tuesday Saturday you're there twice a week anyway so again if you're doing press twice a week you're you're ferrying backwards and forwards which which isn't ideal so yeah I think it's kind of all worked out quite well with what's going on in the community they're expanding and they're going to end up being bigger at us us than this rate but um (laughs) It's it's one of them where I think it'll work out well for us. They're sort they're going to sort out um, a press conference room for us as well. We go back to the big FA Cup games. Mm. That's something that we never have in terms of having a facility to hold big press conferences and having rooms to get all these journalists in, etc. So again, community having this funding has really helped us because we're going to have a nice um, lecture room as such oh, where we're going to be able to have the manager for post match and these big games. Yeah, back our, in Southampton, where our yeah. old office was. Oh, okay, yeah. brilliant. Oh, that'd be fascinating. That wall's been knocked through and it's just a a huge room right now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great, to be fair. Yeah, Um, I can imagine why you would need a a space like that, to be fair. That's good. It's interesting and it shows the the changes and the improvements that are coming forward that you guys are are seeing through, really. Um, Urban myths. I don't know, I'll ask Lewis, um, it could could be anyone here. Has there ever been an article and videos you've recorded and articles you've written for a new signing that was about to be announced and it suddenly didn't happen? No names, but has that ever happened? Surely it's happened. Lewis is smirking, right? I, it's, so, yeah. I, I, if, I'm sure everyone can remember something happened in the last transfer window. So. The short answer is yes. yes. Okay, and I think anyone listening can put two or two together as to what that was. Okay, fascinating. Yeah. There we go. Um, there you go. That's not an urban myth. You know, particularly might be might be a fact. Um, very rare. Very rare. Very, very rare. Yeah, but I, I occasionally guess things don't happen. Well, we all know who to blame. Mm. Agents. There we go. Um, yes. Uh, well, another one for Scott, I suppose, here on the basis of how we talked about it is. How hard is it to tell Brian no? <laughs> to, no to, I bet it doesn't happen very often. To, but To Brian's credit, <laughs> if you 
if you give him a reason why and you back it up with numbers, evidence, whatever, 99% of the time he, yeah. will, he will listen to you. He's, he's very good. We've all got a great relationship with Brian. I talk to him two or three times a day, really, in terms of whether that's just text or, or on, yeah. on the phone. So he understands we've got a job to do. I know that we're at a level where money's tight with everything, et cetera, et cetera. We've got a, an idea that he might not agree with. But like I said, if, if you've got a good enough explanation or a good enough reason, more or less he'll he'll let you go ahead with it. No, I think I, t- I totally think that's fair. That was a question off Pacific Street. It wasn't one yeah. of my questions in yeah. case Brian's listening. But um, no, I, you know, to be fair to Brian this week, we've obviously had uh, a slight issue with tickets and people, not under- myself as well, not understanding that because the sound shut, we don't now have season ticket priority. To be fair to Brian, he's probably fielded 100 emails on that this week and he'll have responded to every single one of them, whether it's a call, and he yeah. is good like that, to be fair. So, um, yeah, it was just a cheeky... I think these questions for fans are a bit cheeky. Um, <laughs> there's a question about John Askey interviews, but I feel bad enough I'm not going to ask you that one anymore, so um, uh, we'll leave that one. But I think, yeah, we've done about an hour and ten minutes now and I just wanted to say thank you for in, in, inviting us in. I think one of the things I would say about you guys as the media team and how it's all evolving is that you're willing to do an interview with fan media if you will um, and been open and honest about what your job jobs are and what you're trying to achieve shows a massive step forward for me anyway you know I've known Ian Whitfield as a friend for a long time and, and it was a different era there but I certainly feel like we're moving forward in a really positive way and um, yeah I just wish you all the best of luck in, in bringing forward what you want to do over the next few years really so yeah cheers for joining us guys thank, thank you, you. Thank cheers. you. Cheers. and we'll be back uh, on Sunday with a, a regular podcast